Welcome to Out of Game episode 28. In today's episode, we discuss BGGCon 2016, revisit a classic segment, and discuss board game buzz and its effects on the industry. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go Out of Game. Welcome to episode 28, 28. Of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And we are a podcast about board games. games. Making that clear, because Tom Vassell told us to. Yes, and there's sometimes misinterpretation of what we do here. Yeah. It's true. Well, it's because he listened to our episode and wasn't sure what we were about for like the first 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not sure what it's about. I don't know. Oh, I know what it's about. Board games. Board games. And you know what this episode's about? It's going to be about board game buzz and its effects on the industry. Bzz. What do you think about that? That's interesting. So we're going to talk about board game buzz. That's right. And its effect on the industry. That's exactly what I, I just said. You know, when I, when I hear that, I think of Taboo and the buzzer. Bzz. Yeah? I, I should have brought a buzzer. The board game buzz. I could edit one in, but I don't want to. But before we do that, it's time to jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. <laughs> So I've played some decent new games since the last time we podcasted, but I want to talk about actually how long it's been since our last episode. Ooh, so yeah. listeners have been, they've been waiting a while for this. Sorry. Yeah. So we apologize to everybody. Um, Ryan's been under a lot of pressure from a variety of things. He's our master editor. He spends, what, 10 hours? <laughs> Sometimes. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Uh, editing and perfecting these. It's a lot of work. The good news is it's still his current obsession. That's true. true. Which means he puts a lot of time and effort into it. Wait, is it still your? Current it episode? is. Yeah, we're still. I'm still on the right we need stage. To check in and make sure. I'm not in the fade yet. I'm not in the fade. Nope. You sure. We're still good. Well, should I go before the book occurs? <laughs> well, I, I just want to say that it was the holidays that mostly got in the way in convention going. So we recorded a little bit later than expected. Yes. So there's no November episode, and I meant to tweet or something about that, and I forgot to. So we're saying it now. Our apologies. Hopefully we can make up for it with this episode. Yeah. Talk about buzz. Buzz. It's going to be amazing. We're going to get buzzed. All right. So my spawn point has nothing to do with about something I have done. Okay. It's about something I'm going to do. Okay. And I've got a scheduled. I know. I've got a a scheduled time set that my brother and I are going to do a thousand point X-Wing battle. Whoa. When is this? We have this booked uh, on an upcoming Sunday. So we're going to be requiring four epic points of ships. So you, have, you can either bring two of the big bad boys, the, the uh, CR-90 or the uh, Imperial Raider, or you can bring four of the smaller ships in order to meet your quota. You want to talk about your strategy? So No, I'm not talking about strategy because, you know, on the off chance my brother will listen to this. Yeah, know, right. right that chance. <laughs> but I will have a report on this on our next podcast to let you know how it goes and give you like a timetable of how long this 1,000-point epic assault happens how long does like a 200 point game take that's what you usually do right? well you you know we usually do 300 if it's just me and my brother we do 300 okay and those can range from about an hour and a half to two and a half hours okay wow so there's like a six hour game oh this is probably gonna be yeah it's, it's epic it's probably gonna be six to eight hours i imagine nice. that's why we did that's why we booked a sunday you're gonna get that bathroom finished by then well, we'll be doing this over at my mom's place because okay. that's where we do it. But uh, I need to find a good contractor. If anybody knows of a good contractor, I need one. What's your brother? My money's not the right color green, I guess. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what to say there. 
Icarus, can you imagine losing to Tim at a game for six to eight hours? Oh, my God. That would be horrible. This is like the ultimate crush. You might drive him away. This is his idea. I already warned him I'm bringing 12 B-Wings, so... I don't know what that means, but it sounds like a fair warning. You know, I understand why he wants to do this. Why because I think it, you're better at the game in the beginning and maybe toward the beginning middle because you you don't need to strategize. You've got the strategy. You see the matrix. It takes him a while, well, him meaning the rest of us, yes. to kind of get that going. And so maybe with a longer game, he can be more competitive. Mm, maybe. Or maybe he's been hitting the boards. And he's got several strategies. Is it like hitting the gym? Squads. He wants to try to try to, to use some of those strategies. I just yeah. like a video montage. Just played through my head of like Jim with a headband on, like reading the forums and then doing push-ups and stuff. <laughs> the, old, the old school sweatbands. Yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing about that. Is there a way to like score the end, or is it just oh, who we could, destroys we, the other we person? We could. Uh, well, I mean, usually we go down to destruction until someone yields. So there's no way to like get a final score. Well, no, because it's going to be a thousand points, right? So amount of points remaining on the board so you can you yeah, can measure so you, it yeah all right so make sure you have that metric i will i will available. let you know exactly what that metric is yeah, i'm right. serious oh and by the way to my magic number from 12 down to five. Oh, for your ships yeah mm. nice if tim gets his magic number to zero is it like i win the contest nope oh. yeah no i don't think so it doesn't okay. work that way we have to have our end of the year episode and talk about that mm. we will we'll talk about that in the new year's I episode think yeah. oh yeah two months it's coming up soon since this is the end of the year episode <laughs> Oh, this is? This is the December episode. Yeah, we're going to record one more, aren't we? We'll release this one very soon, and then we can record one more. Okay. It'll be close. We'll talk about that. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk offline. We'll discuss. <laughs> we record these live, by the way. We don't rehearse what we're saying. Yeah. So. Is it obvious? Can you tell? Yeah, I don't think that's a big uh, secret. Speaking of not rehearsing what I'm saying. BGG call. <laughs> How did you go. know? Everybody B- get comfortable. BGG con 2016. So I wanted to start off with talking about the line. And BGG Con. So I don't know oh, if you recall wow. last year I was I was talking about how I stood in line for two hours yes, to get those just to games. get into BGG Con. Okay, so this has been a problem, and it's because they had this archaic system where you have to bring a printout. You actually have to bring a physical printout of your registration, and then I don't know, just for some reason it took two hours. So when I got there this year, I got there a little later in the morning. And was like, where I started in the line last year, it was like, you double that. And that's where I started in the line this year. So I was like... How long were you in I'm like, line? oh man, I'm going to be in this line oh forever. God. Well, this is the amazing thing. They like fixed the line problem. I went through that line in a half hour. It was actually like 25 minutes. Wait, wait whoa. Is that a good thing? It was good. Like in this, okay. this half hour time, I was actually... When I looked at the line, I was like, oh my gosh, like Chris could never come to this convention just because of this line. But the line was moving the whole time. And that's, that helps. Yeah. So it was like slowly moving along. It was just really long. Uh, but they, what they did is there are all these choke points before where first you would get to this table where you had to take these like promo items and put them in a bag. This was last year. But like the biggest choke point was when you got, actually got to the desk. They had to give you like this five minute spiel, like, okay, here's your badge and here's your raffle ticket. Oh no, here rip here, rip off your raffle ti- raffle ticket and put half of it inside there. And this is the the exhibitor bingo. Like so they're doing that with every single person in the line, right? And there's only like two people up at the front desk. Oh, and that was what was causing so they just got rid of all that. First of all, they they had eight lines now going up to the regist- the final desk, and they had them sorted by your last name. So you get to this guy and tell him your name, and he would send you to the correct line. 
and then they would just hand you your badge. It had all the stuff in there, and then you just kind of had to figure it out. But we're all smart people. Like I know what a raffle ticket is. Right. So it just they made it way faster. So it, I was amazed. I mean, they basically made it four times faster than the previous. It makes year. a big difference when the line is moving, even yeah. if it's long. If it's moving, it, it's something psychologically better about that. Yeah, that happened to me in Space Mountain once. I was waiting in line, and line was moving along, but you know the half an hour goes by fast. I would have known it was half an hour. I never would have got in the line. Space Mountain, though. Which one? Disneyland or Disney World? Disney World. Okay. Disney World. Disneyland's really just not. No, the Space Mountain Disneyland's better than the Disney World one. Are you sure? Yes, I've been on them both. Okay. That'd be about the only thing then. Yeah. The Space Mountain at Disneyland's amazing. Why? I don't know. I don't remember why. Did you go on the one at Disney World when they had that Michael Giacchino music piped in? I don't. There was. The, thing, the guy who made the Lost soundtrack. So the one in Disneyland had some really intense music playing, but I don't think it was a like Lost music. It was was the ride longer? Did it last longer? Is that why it was better? It was just like it was like super intense and fast. Did you sit in dark. the back? No, we sat. I was second from the front. Okay, hmm. interesting. I like being in the front on roller coasters. You can always control on that ride, though. I'm afraid of heights, though. Really? But I well, like at least that one's in the dark. I like dark. roller coasters. So naturally, you, you're afraid of heights. Esther's mom was on the ride with us, and she's like never <laughs> ridden a oh roller coaster. Oh. And the whole time, she was just saying Jesus over and over in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> the entire ride. So that was pretty fun. Anyway, I segued us. Let's get back on track here. <laughs> Anyways, BGGCon, I played, I counted 25 unique games, some of them multiple times. And you know what I'm going to do? Holy cow. I'm going to discuss all 25 games in five minutes. <laughs> okay. So this is going to be my description of all 25 games. I'm going to rip through them, just give you like a one or two line. I love it. Of, of each game that I played. At BGGCon. You guys ready? I'm ready. Ready. Hit me. And by the way, I have no notes. I just have names of games. Should we start the wow. timer? Wow. Yeah, it's, let's start. I want to see how, how long. It's the ADD so gamer recap. Your challenge is that you're going to do it in how fast? Five minutes. Okay. All right. Timer set. So first game I played was Sushi Dice. This is a speed rolling dice game where I'm you get cooked. different combinations of dice. And I'm surprisingly good at speed dice games, even though I'm horrible at rolling dice. So I won both times I played that. Played Tobago. Tobago, you're going around this island trying to find treasure. It was pretty interesting. Pretty interesting game, family game. It's out of print, although not interesting enough for me to go out and get a copy of it. Can you smoke it too? No. Don't know why you asked that. Tobago. Uh, Pandemic, Reign of Cthulhu. This is the Cthulhu-themed pandemic game. And... I was a little underwhelmed by it. It was a little too easy, but the theme was good. King Domino. This is a tile laying game where the tiles are kind of like dominoes. It's by Bruno Catala. It's only like $12 on Cool Stuff Inc. And it's actually a really good, easy to learn family game. I played the Goonies Adventure Card Game, the game that I had wished for. And unfortunately, the best thing about this game was the Gooniepel which is a meeple in the shape of the Goonies, all of four of them. That was the best like thing. Like one big meeple? That was meeple? the best thing about the game, yeah. Mm. It was one big meeple. Of, it was like the silhouette of the Goonies. It was okay. It was a cooperative game. I don't know. It was, it's a pass, but it was a good try. Valiant effort. Played Escape Room the game. This is a board game with four escape room scenarios and this decoder box. And you have to figure out all these puzzles and escape in, co-op? in one hour. It is co-op. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing that one. I do recommend it. I play Tumbling Dice. Tumbling Dice, you take six dice, you roll them down this thing. Wherever they land, you multiply the number on the die face by whatever number they land on. 
you roll six of your dice, and whoever gets the most points is the winner. It's just a dexterity game where you throw dice. It's a well-known game. It's pretty fun. Tides of Madness. This is the Cthulhu-themed Tides of Time two-player drafting game. It wasn't really that much different than Tides of Time. I kind of wish you could just combine them and make a three or four player drafting game but it was fun i like tides of time so i like tides of madness and the artwork is really good on that one actually terraforming mars probably the game with the most hype that i've heard of in a while the gameplay was fun but all the art in this game was pictures instead of actual artwork so the game has this amazing like artwork on the cover but then all the cards have pictures on them. So like photographs? Yeah, so it was that part like really bummed me out and I, and I couldn't get over it, but the game itself was good. Played Way Kick. Way Kick is a dexterity game where you put your hands under a table and you control soccer guys and you like play soccer. Uh, so you're like moving this kicking this ball around. It was pretty fun. It's like this old dexterity game. At BGG kind they have all these dexterity games set up in the lobby, like all tons of them. So we just like go around playing them in between games sometimes. So Played Way Kick. It was good. Another one of those we played was called Spinball. Spinball, you have this weird paddle with like a rubber end on it. And then you you take a ping pong ball and you push down on it and you try to get it to go forward into your opponent's side and then spin back into this goal because there's like this barrier in the middle. It takes some skill to learn how to do it. But once you figure it out, you do like these amazing trick shots. And it's like this one of those games when when you score, you like yell really loud because you're excited. So played that a few times. It's pretty fun. But my favorite dexterity game I play there is called... Sjolen. I think it's Swedish or something. That's S-J-O-E-L-E-N. You basically take like 50 wooden discs and slide them down the shuffleboard thing, trying to get them in four different columns. And there's this interesting scoring mechanism, but it's just fun to like literally slide like 50 discs in a row until they're just like in this pile and you're just like pounding them in. So anyways, we played that a few times and I got pretty good at it actually. It might be Sjolen. better dungeon then. It, it's definitely better than true. Sounds dungeon. similar. Red Seven. This game is like gamer flux, but not really that much better than flux. Ugh. Hard pass. We, no one liked it when we played. Got to play Kemet. This is the only game that I played there that I had really played before. Kemet is still a great game. I uh, had a lot of fun playing Kemet, although I did figure out that Chris would hate this game. Really? Because really? there's a bunch of tiles in the game that have no words on them, like 60 of them. So it would drive you crazy because it's all symbology. Oh, Got to keep going. Fabled Fruit. And I don't think I'm going to get this under five minutes, but Fabled Fruit is a card game where every game you play is different than the previous game. So there's, there's like a deck of 54 of 59 different cards, and you play with six of them. And then as one set rotates out, you rotate in another set. And then when you're done, you could, when you're done playing, you just take that pile of cards and you save them. And the next time you play, you get them out. And you play again with those six, and then as one rotates out, you rotate in the, rotate in the next set. So anyway, the game, the cards are all constantly rotating in until you play through like 20 different games. Or at five minutes, by the way. Uh, shut up. Fabled Fruit. <laughs> Automania. This was a game that I almost bought at Gen Con, but didn't. You're making cars in this game. It's like a medium-weight Euro game. It was okay. The artwork was kind of fun, but I'm probably not going to buy it. They're going to move the game to Mexico. They might. Orleans. Orleans is a bag building game. Bag building, you might ask. What's that? Well, bag building is kind of like deck building. Only you take little chits and you put them in a bag. And what did then you, you say? Chits. Put them in a bag and you draw them out. Spanish and those shot. determine what actions you can do. Uh, this is a game that came out a couple years ago. A lot of people really like this game. It did feel too much like deck building to me. So mm. I, it was okay, but probably not going to buy it. Mechs versus Minions. 
the most overhyped game I have ever played in my life. Uh-huh. It has amazing, amazing components, but the game play is was really bland. Just a lot of buzz. Huge buzz for this buzz. game. Huge buzz. We'll talk about buzz later. This was put out by Riot Games, makers of League of Legends. And the game itself, the components are are probably like some of the most amazing I've ever seen, but the gameplay just wasn't as good as the components made it look. Mansions of Madness Second Edition. This is a game where it requires an app for you to play. You're going through like a haunted house kind of. Interesting. It's a Cthulhu theme. The app kind of tells you what to do, what tiles to put out. I can tell this is a fun game, but the environment we played in was not conducive to playing a game with an app. You couldn't hear anything the app was saying. And we almost got to the point that I hate in co-op games where you start arguing about what to do. So it almost ruined it, but then we caught ourselves and stopped. But I think I'm probably going to pick this one up and play it as a solo game. Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Worst game of 2016. People really were hyping this up. This is a cooperative deck builder. Two things that I don't like, but I played it because I like Harry Potter. We played through the first scenario. There's seven scenarios, hence the seven books. And then we're like, oh, there has to be more to this. So we went into the second scenario and realized that it was exactly like the first scenario. And we stopped halfway through the game because I asked everyone, how committed are you to finishing this? And everyone said, not committed at all because this is boring. So I don't know why people like that game, but wow. it was it was not good. Wallenstein. Muggle. <laughs> Wallenstein is an older area control game with a cube tower. Do you know what a cube tower is? And by the way, I'm not even trying to do it under five minutes anymore because yeah, we're, we're eight oh, minutes. Yeah, you're way past. So I'm going to explain what a cube tower is. It's a tower that sits next to the board, and you you drop colored cubes into it, but some of them don't come out. They stay in the tower. So like if Chris and I were battling, you would put your cubes in and I would put mine in. we drop them in, and then whoever's colored cubes comes out, like the majority wins the battle. But you could have cubes in there from a previous battle. So it's like... It's interesting. It's just a real interesting gaming game component. Okay. High dar factor. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. No, that's not true. This no. this game is uh, was very stressful, like in a good way. Stress is always good for dar writing. It was a good stressful game that I really really liked. Innis. Innis was the game of the convention for me. This is the kind of the third in the trilogy of Cyclades and Kemet. Now we have Innis. Designer. It's a different designer, but it's the same company, and it has like a similar thing where at the end of the game, you're like winning, and then everyone has to try to stop you. Like they have time cutthroat. to try to stop you. Yeah. yeah, it's a cutthroat game. I might like it better than both Cyclades and Kemet. I need to play it some more. I already bought it because it was like my favorite game I played at the convention. And it has this really amazing like watercolor artwork. Like by this, I think it's like a well-known Celtic art artist. Mm. I have a feeling that you guys are going to really like this game. I'm going to bring it on game night. Key to the City, London. This is the follow-up to a game called Keyflower. It is a action selection Euro game. Keyflower has a lot of, uh, like people really like Keyflower. I think it's in like the top 30 games of all time or something. This was like a streamlined version of it. I heard that it's like Keyflower, but they took out all the fun. <laughs> It was okay. I wasn't a big fan, though. Adrenaline. Adrenaline is a first-person shooter game. So you're like going around with these guys trying to shoot each other. You're picking up guns. If you get the headshot, you get extra points. And you're, it, It's like this game took itself too seriously. It was okay. It Just was, play Xbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, But while we were playing that, my friend's like, he's like, the game Wiz War is way better than this Adrenaline game. So we went and played Wiz War. Do you have to drink a lot before you play that game? No, you do not have to drink a lot like Mr. S and cereal. So Wiz War 
is a game where you're mages fighting in an arena. Sound familiar? Does. We might have done this in an RPG campaign. This is a magic number game of mine that has been on my shelf for two years, and it is a travesty that I have not played this game in two years. I had so much fun playing WizWar. It's just pure ridiculousness. Everything that I had hoped it would be, it was. It's just like just a fun, fun game. Is this only two player? No, it's two to four players. And if I get if you get the expansion, which I probably will, it can go to five. It's like you have to aim for things. No, you're like you're like in this arena. It's like kind of like a maze. Um, Urinals? No, <laughs> no one whizzing in it. Oh, sorry. It's wizards. Those were wizard. Wizards are whizzing. <laughs> anyway, Wizwar. That was my twenty five games. You should bring that next game night. I will. I will bring Wizwar. So it sounds like you had a lot of dexterity games, something that you're really bad at. I noticed that too. A lot of building games, which you hate. So it's not surprising that your and list a lot of co-op was games. And a lot of co-op. That's like, like sounds like you had a bad trip. Yeah, like your trifecta of like I hate these games, and you played a bunch of them. What was up with that? No, I had a blast. Were the nuggets bad? So how were the nuggets? <laughs> I didn't eat any nuggets. This nuggets. Time. Wow. I did have some good barbecue though. Okay. We went out this time. We had we went out. Now that my five minutes is over, my quote unquote yeah, five quote minutes, five. my air quotes five minutes. We actually left and went to get food at a barbecue place because we're in Texas. It was amazing, and we went to like a authentic Mexican restaurant that was really, really good. Actually, it's probably better than the barbecue that I had. Wow. So, good stuff. Well, part of the reason we played... I have to I have to stop trying to talk fast. So, part of the reason that we played like a lot of games like that is because there were three of us, so we were kind of like taking turns picking games. Ah, uh, okay. I was kind of interested in Harry Potter, for example, just because I... Who, was I you, like Esther, and who? It was no Esther wasn't there. It was me, uh, my friend Clifford, who's oh. a listener, and my friend Jason, who used to work with us at Zurich. Jason Keglitz. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. The three of us. It was uh, it was a good time. Plus we we have like a bunch of people that we met there last year that we had their phone numbers, and then throughout the convention, as we played with new people that we liked, we would get their phone number and reach out to them. So we like always had like a core group of people to to play mm. with. What was your your best surprise? Most fun. Oh, well, that actually brings game. me. The, so it's actually not a game, but the most surprising thing was we went to this thing called a puzzle hunt. So it was like this event, which you know how we are at these conventions. Like we usually don't like to schedule events, but Clifford really wanted to do this puzzle hunt thing. So we went to it and we didn't really know what was going on the whole time, <laughs> time we were there. Like there's some kind of scoring system and there was some goal, but we like showed up five minutes late. So we had no idea like what the objective was, but they hand you all these puzzles. They're like, pieces of paper with puzzles on them they had yeah. to figure out and so we were just trying to figure out the puzzles and the puzzles were amazing it was like really fun to do and then after we were done i found out kind of figured out we were what the objective was it was like you're trying to get enough points to save the world from like a pandemic of viruses or something by solving puzzles there's like this app that you use i don't know who wrote this app but it's pretty good like you'd enter your team in there and then it would show like your score and it would show the score of every other team and it would show every puzzle because they're numbered, and it would show like the score of that puzzle and how many teams have figured it out. So I guess you're supposed to focus on the ones that less teams have figured out, because if you do that, you get more points So towards the overall goal. But none of that really mattered. What The point was that the puzzles were fun, and I found out at the end that all 99 of the 100 puzzles, or 98 of them, were designed by Wei Hua Huang, the designer of Roll for the Galaxy. And he was there. He actually made all the puzzles that we were doing. They didn't like get them from books and stuff. Wow. 
So I was like really impressed that he was able to do that because they're really like hard puzzles. Some of them are math puzzles. Some of them are like geometry or like logic puzzles. It's like all different kinds of puzzles, and they're all designed by this this game designer. So that guy must be like a genius to be able to do that. So that was probably my biggest surprise, I would say. Uh, surprise fun. Because I kind of got dragged into it. <laughs> I didn't really want to go, but I'll probably go next year if we go again. couple more things. This was really cool. So I was sitting at my hotel eating breakfast, and I see a guy sitting at a table that looks familiar. And I keep looking at him, and then I walk by him, and he kind of looks at me, and we kind of both looked at each other like we recognized each other, but we didn't know why. And so finally I went over there and I'm like, is your name Adam? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, Adam Rice? No way. And he's like, the yeah. Rice method? It's the guy that taught us the rice method is sitting and eating breakfast at my Man, hotel. That is funny. And, and, and he still didn't really know who I was. I'm like, I don't know if you remember this, but we were at Gen Con one time and you sat down and taught us how to play coup. And you taught us this method to figure out the, the star player of a game where you like count and hold out your fingers. And we, I'm like, and we named it the rice method after you. And we talk about it on our podcast all the time. And he's like, really? I had no idea. <laughs> and so like, I gave him a new like card and stuff and like told him to go listen. So I hope you're listening, Adam, because it was cool to just randomly run into you at my hotel at a completely different convention in another state. I don't know how you remembered his name. Well, because it's the rice method. Yeah, I mean. Well, but you remember Adam. Yeah, well, because I've actually, I tried to find him before, but there's like multiple Adam Rices on Board Game Geek. Oh. When we met him, I wrote his name down in Evernote on my phone to like mention it, and I just always remembered his name for some reason. Doesn't it bother you that Evernote is charging now? Oh, I've, I've been paying for it forever. Yeah. I, I always have the paid version. Okay. Yeah. The, there's no free version anymore? Yeah, there is, but you need to pay if you want to more than two devices or to transfer more than x yeah. megabytes per that month. is annoying yeah i didn't know that well if you're paying for it yeah. yeah okay and then as i was leaving i was in the van going to the airport and there's some guy behind me talking to like another guy in the van about it seemed like he was talking about a podcast and so i was like oh you have a podcast and he started telling me about uh, this documentary he's doing on uh, the Jack Vessel Memorial Fund, which is like this, uh, it's a memorial fund for like gamers in times of need. So it's specifically for gamers. Like if some tragic event happens, this fund will could give you money to help you through that event. Mm. So anyway, he, he was doing like a documentary on it. He was telling me about his podcast. I'm like, oh, I have a podcast too. And he's like, oh, what's your podcast? I'm like, oh, it's it's out of game. And he's like, oh, that sounds familiar. And then and then after a couple minutes, he's like, wait. He's like, were you guys? Were you the guys that were like campaigning to get on the Dice Tower Network? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I love your podcast. And, and I guess what happened is he he was listening to us like in the early days, and he lost his phone, and then he he like forgot to re-add us to his list. So it was, it was like this funny connection. And so anyway, his name is Mike, and his podcast is Nights at the Game Table. And it's actually really well done. I listened to their first episode, which was about using board games to teach math. And they do like an, in, it's like an NPR style thing. Mm. And like the editing is really good. The sound quality is really good. And I, I think that it seemed to me like he was saying like this documentary he was doing would also be broadcast on like a radio station. So I think he's a professional also at this. So anyways, if you want to check out their podcast, it's uh, Nights at the Game Table. But it's really good. And that was Mike that I met. So hi, Mike. Hope you're listening. So anyway, after all that, magic number is 16. That was my question. Yeah, I knew it was coming. 16. Wow, that's that's impressive. 16, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to make it? You eclipse 20. You're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it, I don't think. I I mean, let's you guys want to get together and play 16 games in a row. No, thanks. (laughs) Uh, Probably ain't going to happen. 
<laughs> we got some pandemic legacy to do next week. So <laughs> that's true. Pandemic legacy really helped me. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Fact. It did. It really did. Magic number sixteen. I'm I'm pretty happy at, at being at sixteen. That is pretty low. That's no, pretty good. You know. And I made it. I made a conscious choice not to make my friends at BGGCon play all my Magic number games. So I really only went down three. I think at the convention. It's even very though sporting. It, yeah, you could have. Reduce it to single digits yeah. if you really want. But you know what I did is I future proofed my magic number because I played a bunch of new games, like new and hot games. Oh. And then after that, I went out and bought the ones that I really liked. And I think that's well, really that's, that's, that's probably that's, what I should be doing. That's the, that's the way you should be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make sure you actually like the game before you do the investment. The problem is that no one else is going to buy the game. So if there's a new like a new hot game that comes out, unless I buy it. We're not going to get to play it until I go to like a convention and am able to play it. So I don't know how that's going to work. Well, it depends on the game. I just the problem is I don't know those games. You know those games like eons before I even know about those games. So yeah. there's really no way for me to go out and buy one of those before you've like already like have been like drooling for like a month. Yeah, but it really helped me cut out some games because some of the games I played I probably would have bought, and then they were just lackluster. Anyways. Maybe one day you guys can go with me to BGG Con. Sounded fun. It was a blast. Now, if you could do that like on the cruise ship, like with the Tom Vassal thing, I could do the cruise ship thing. Yeah, the Dice Tower cruise. Yeah, because my wife would come with and she wouldn't care. Yeah, that would be, that's uh, this month, December. Yeah. It's yeah. coming up. I don't think I could talk my wife into it, but. Uh, it was pretty cheap, be, too. Yeah, I know, it was, it was reasonable. It's like 500 a person, I think. What? 500 that's a person it? for a board game cruise. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, for how I, long? How many days? Five. I can't remember. Five days? That can't be right. No, it's, it's like the same price as Gen Con, yeah. 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 $500 for five days? Yeah, per person. They got like a group rate because they, you know. They're, yeah, they're bringing a couple thousand people, so yeah. they got a really, really good rate. That seems really low to me. Yeah. That was the, you know, that was the room like in Titanic where the people were drowning. <laughs> Those are the $500 <laughs> rooms. <laughs> but, they, but it gets you on the cruise. <laughs> Yeah, but those are still, you know, the only bad thing with those is there's no natural light, so you're like in an interior and it's just dark. Yeah. But you would friggin' love it because it's just like pitch black. Oh, oh this, sleeping? This would be like your dream cabin because you and close that door and you'd be like in a dark, dark, dark cave. And there's a built-in white know. noise because you're on a ship. Yeah. Yeah, but aren't you rocking? And maybe. No, no. You're, 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 the lower you are on the boat, the less you feel. So since you're on like... Level two, you would you wouldn't even feel anything. Yeah, just so people understand what we're talking about, I don't like light I'm at all. Sleeping. He's kind of vampireish when it comes to that yeah. at night. It's oh, just, you know what I found out that you're a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't discovered that yet. <laughs> He's wearing black to cover the windows in my room. Okay, aluminum foil. Anybody who's listening who likes it dark when they sleep and doesn't like the light peeking in from the windows, I aluminum foil. It's cheap. It's a cheap way to fix this problem. Cover your windows in aluminum foil. It blocks all the light. It's a cheap way to do it rather than getting those really expensive shades that don't actually cover the whole window because there's those, those slits in the side mm-hmm. where the light peeks through. Wakes you up in the morning. Yeah, aluminum now, foil. Now, now, mind you, this is the same theory that all the conspiracy theorists go with also. So also, you start wearing an aluminum foil hat, we're going to have to start out. No, it's, it's two purposes. Yeah. It's blocking the light and blocking the brain waves that are trying to get me. and multi-purpose if you want to manufacture crystal meth in your house you can also use this method i didn't know that isn't that what jesse pinkman did aluminum foil i don't know they always like tape up their windows well the good they? thing too oh, is, oh, oh, no, <laughs> if you, you know if you're uh if you're eating in bed at night too you could always just pull a thing off the window and wrap up your leftovers that's true it's kind of convenient it's like okay. you know you don't want to get up from the couch but you want to keep your sandwich warm right just pull some foil off the window 
You'll yeah. cook, you know, you can you won't be able to later. sleep at night, but at least you'll have your yeah. Food. You know, what's, yeah. What's, what's more important, sleeping or, or fresh food? It's a close one. That Depends on the food. One. That's true. Booze from the board game fruit truck. You definitely want to foil that thing up. That's true. <laughs> you know, what we haven't done in a while. What Get past the spawn done? point. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we haven't faked it till we made it. Fake it till we make it. To be a great champion, you must believe you are the best. If you're not, pretend you are. So, Fake It Till We Make It. Yes, we still do this segment, in case you were wondering. So, we have three questions for Fake It Till We Make It today. Three. Three. Question one. Not two. What person or relative is most responsible for you being in the board game hobby? Chris. I think that person is sitting at this table, my friend. I would have to agree with you there. That would be one Ryan Graham. Yes. I didn't expect this. All-knowing. All-seeing. All-seeing. All-purchasing. He lives, drinks, eats, sleeps, gaming. He is the Ikea delivery board game boy. <laughs> yes. One day he will turn into a board game. <laughs> Probably will be. What would that game be about? Gosh, it's got to be something where the cards are perfectly lined up. There's very little fiddling, no co-op, and no shuffling. No shuffling. But then at some point, it's got to kind of get old, mundane, and boring, so you throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait. You, you immerse yourself in it. Exactly. So that you have no life. Right. And then you, you, get, you forget about All it All of a sudden, completely. it's just like, <laughs> and you throw it out. And it's gone. And it's done. Hmm. I'm not sure what that says about me. <laughs> what would the theme be? Maybe it's like someone with two person. Like it's about someone who's bipolar. And then bipolar they, and OCD. Yeah, and they just like suddenly turn to this other person and yell at you. Yes, and you have to complete quests in order to <laughs> transverse your personality from one to the other. Right, yeah. right. And then the end of the game is when you get enough victory points, you figure out which one your personality actually and, is. And actually what you're trying to do is kind of like a spy thing too because what you're trying to do is you're trying to prevent the F-bomb from going off. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then somebody comes along with a nitwit, and then the F bomb goes off. <laughs> okay, then. So, my answer is Peter Obergozo. You guys know who that is, right? Um, I do not. No. Is so that Pe- uh, Greg's younger brother? <laughs> so, Peter Obergozo is a friend of mine from California that when we were playing, we would get together to do role playing, and then sometimes there were only three of us, and sometimes one of the guys would just cancel at the last minute. Oh, no, there are four of us. There are four of us, and, and someone would cancel last minute. So, Peter would bring out, on those when that happened, he'd bring out Munchkin, and we'd play Munchkin. I think that was kind of like that led to me joining the MIB. For Steve Jackson Games and volunteering for them, which uh, led to me going to conventions. That's well, that's what they're name. called. Yeah. No, I meant the uh, the, other, the, the movie Alien Chasers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of that's a stupid movie, by the way. <laughs> I did that movie. Anyways, so it kind of led me down the path of board games. So how so is Munchkin playing, not one of your your gateway games? Yeah, that, that was your gateway that game, was Munchkin. Your gateway game. Because I don't think Munchkin. Here was my path. It was Munchkin led to. Other Steve Jackson games led to going to conventions, led to playing magic at conventions, led to us playing board games. There was like this, magic it started me down the board path. Games, though. It did, because it was our magic group that got switched to a board game group. It's true. How did that group get switched, though? What game switched it? It wasn't magic. No, we were, no playing, we were playing magic. We were playing magic. That was our, our monthly event was magic. Yeah, but how house. did we get from magic to board games? This though? guy right here. Yeah. But I don't know what the... Yeah, but how did he do it? Uh, what was the... So Esther and I used to play Munchkin together two-player, and I was looking for other games to play two-player, and I stumbled across Board Game Geek, 
and bought Agricola. So then, so that was the that was how it transitioned yeah. from Munchkin to something else. Gotcha. But the reason I don't use Munchkin as a gateway game is because it's not really. It's not. Plus, you were playing Munchkin a long time. Yeah, and before it was, yeah you ever played a board game, and it doesn't. I don't think it's a good representation of the hobby, really. Yeah, I no. mean, it's not really like a strategy game. It's it's just kind of like a beer and pretzels game. Yeah, but where else can you get a three handed sword? <laughs> True. I mean, I still like Munchkin. Most people hate it. Um, so it's, it's. I like Munchkin, but it needs some tweaks. Yeah. The second person that's winning can't always win. Yeah. There needs to be limitations. So, anyways, thanks, Peter. I don't know if you're listening, but good job. Good job, Ryan. You just you, cost Ryan thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Peter went to Origins with me one year, too. Flew in from Cali. Nice. Question two Is there a distinct difference between sports and games? Well, you know, I would say athletics is one but based on your experience with all the dexterity games maybe there's not as much of a difference as there used to be it's hmm. dexterity games yeah they, i don't know they require I think, some athleticism in general in sports you always want to win but in games winning is okay mm-hmm. like there's not the the burning competitiveness in board games as there's in sports in sports you're you're out there you're trying to win the game and you're having fun along the way but it's much more competitive you know like colt express if you're playing that you're not like thinking about the game for a half an hour before playing it, you know, gearing yourself up for it. So what sure. about like professional magic players? Are you Even, trying to say that they're athletes? I'm not saying they're athletes. From a competition standpoint, I think you're right that there is that element of competition because, you know, we've been in those crowds where they will, they take it so seriously that it's the, the fun factor goes down. And it's because it's so competitive. So that does have an element of competition, but clearly there's no... There's no athleticism to it. People aren't going to watch that. I mean, maybe friends and family will watch, but like a sporting event is interesting from a competition standpoint. Who knows what's going on in a magic game? Besides which, these guys playing magic competitively, how much can they strategize before they play? I mean, assuming it's a sealed deck or a draft. Right. If they're not constructing, you're not thinking about the tournament until you get there. Well, there's all the metagaming event. and stuff beforehand, though, because I think there's a is lot there? of that. Yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, do a lot of study on that set to know what the good cards are. and Especially if you're drafting, you, you immediately know which card you should take in the set. So what I had for this is that all sports are games, but not all games are sports. Would you agree with that? Wow. Yes, yeah, I would agree with I would that. agree with that. And so I, games are... Uh, sports would be a subset of games. Right, that's yeah. kind of what I think. Cause, and, and I also think that... Sports require athletic competition. Then you have some sports that are like, you're not sure if they're sports or not, like golf. I mean, it's athletic, but not really. It's more of like a skill game. Right, because it's like you against the ground. Right, and like bowling is a sport. Yeah. (laughs) Not sure. And then then they have the Olympic Games. They don't call it the Olympic sports. It's true. So what Mm -hmm. do you do with that? I was wondering that. It's a really good point. We should write them in and ask them to change it. Olympic sports. Yeah. They really aren't sports. Brought though. to you by the Out of Game Podcast. Yeah. Do you ever watch curling? Yes. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Eric Summer's favorite sport. I'm actually going to get to try that. Are you? Uh, Christmas party from, for uh, Jess. Really? They're going to have curling, so I get to try it. Whenever that comes on TV, I, it's hard not to watch it. No, no. You know, I just, I'm like staring at the screen, watching them you know, smooth out the ice and whatever the heck they're doing. Yeah. They're basically... Minutely melting the ice to yeah. make the thing go it's, farther. Yeah, it's, it's unusually compelling. It's crazy. I think it would be fun to play it. Yeah, I'll let you know. Okay. I'll, I'll give you a report on that one. <laughs> All right. Chris, why don't you read question three? Question three. What board game, if played on live TV, would make you stop and watch 
I don't think there is one. <laughs> I, I, I was brewing on this one, trying to think. And maybe I'd watch like an X-Wing competition just because I enjoy X-Wing so much. And maybe I could see some pointers or something to help improve my game. But that's the really reason I'd be watching. You know, if I saw that it was like two guys that didn't know what they were doing playing, I'd be like, mm, peace out. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know. It's really hard to watch somebody think. Yeah. And that's basically a percentage of every game that we play. You're thinking, and who wants to watch somebody think? Yeah. That's the biggest problem. With Either there had to be something like Spyfall where you kind of know who the spy is, so you can kind of see how the questions are working, and maybe they'll be a little interested in there. Yeah, I think any game where you could see something that the players don't see, so you could watch what happens. Like One of the things I thought of was Mysterium. If you knew what the ghost knew... And you could see the clues and the decisions the ghost is making as they deliver cards and then watch as the players try to figure out. And you, But you know everything. That could be kind of interesting. But again, if there's a lot of empty space in there, like pauses and yeah. people just sitting there thinking. That's uh, however, not- Will Wheaton, I have actually watched a couple of his podcasts where they're playing some games. And they're, they're actually entertaining. But yeah. it's, you know, it's also... You're not watching the whole game. He's that would be the trimming key. it down and then having people step off to the side and yep. kind of give their comments mid-game and stuff like that. And it's it's entertaining. So you're not actually yep. watching them play. You're more watching the people that yeah. are involved have conversations and stuff like that. And that's entertaining. I actually do enjoy Unfortunately, it. that doesn't count because I thought of it's, that. It says, and the question specifics is live on TV. Yeah. I, 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 like I, I, you're I, exactly I, right. If you could distill it, yeah. then a lot of games would be interesting. So but, I think I, I stand with my first statement, yep. but there, there is. Well, I mean, the other, the other example I had was if there's a trader game, because if you're watching a social game with a trader element and you know, as the viewer who it is, we never get to really rewind games when we're in them and see what decisions the trader made. It's always sure. interesting. It would be that would be interesting to watch live because the other people don't know it and they won't know it until after the game is over and they won't have the experience that we would as the viewer. That's true. And I would find that interesting. But again, you have the dead space in there. There's a dead lot of space dead problems. space. But I think it would be, you know, like some of the games where, you know, one of us might have been like a Cylon or whatever. If if somebody was watching and knew that, you could see where that would be interesting to yeah. watch. But, you know, there's also the trader that, like, you know, gets Excalibur, and it's just, like, so disappointing because <laughs> it's like he's not a trader. Yes, that happened to me. <laughs> so uh, I, I maybe cheated on this one because I didn't disqualify my answer. I, you didn't disqualify your answer? I, I think my answer should be disqualified is my point. Uh, but I'm going to say it anyways. My answer was diplomacy. I think you can make a, an interesting reality TV show around the game Diplomacy. Do you remember playing Diplomacy mm-hmm. online? Yep. Have you ever played Diplomacy? I've never played it, but I, uh, my buddy Jay used to play that all the time, and uh, I never had the opportunity to play it. Okay, so the way Diplomacy works is the rules are very simple. It's a combat game where you have just simple orders. Like, if, if I attack Chris with two guys and he has one, then I win. It's like deterministic con- combat. Uh, but the thing is, in between turns, you, you write out your orders. And the thing that this game is known for is backstabbing. So you can get someone to help you in an attack. But to do that, you have to like go off and talk to them. So I think as a reality show, it could be interesting because you could go and like the, the cameras could follow all the individual conversations, what they're discussing and like what deals they're making with each other. And then they would come back and then show the results of the orders they put in and who backstabbed who. And uh, I just think it, that could be an interesting TV show if you took diplomacy and made it. Why are you disqualifying that? Because it's not live. Oh, I, I don't see. think it, it, it wouldn't be live because you'd have to you'd have to have cameras on each group. You'd do that, right? But if you want to capture the interesting points in the conversations, I see all the conversations are happening at the same time. 
So you couldn't do that. You'd yeah, have, it'd have to be spliced I together. That, I, I think, think you might be, be able to do it. I still think they'd be counted as live. It's just they're going to queue things up. You would have to have a master cameraman that's sort of monitoring everything going on, and they decide what's interesting and puts it on the screen at that moment. Yeah, and yeah maybe it's possible. Does a little narrating. It's possible. It'd be better though if they could edit it. Yeah, you know, just edit out the interesting parts of the conversation. So you, so it was really clear when someone got backstabbed and. And then, and even like what they do in, in tabletop, you could take people to the side and let them rant about how upset they are that they got backstabbed yeah, and got yeah. eliminated from the game or whatever. Yeah, but in diplomacy, another good thing about your idea is you could have the turn orders, like maybe in a corner of the screen for each person. Yeah. And nobody else can see all of them except you. And they're constantly changing all right. as they tweak them. Yeah. And then when they get locked in, maybe it changes color or something. Yeah, that, that could, could be, be cool. Yeah, and they, I actually think your answer is pretty good. You could have a good map you know, of the, the combat yep. that everyone can see. So diplomacy, that would be my answer. All right. I guess it's time to segue. Did you hear that? I'm doing a segue by saying it's time to segue. <laughs> that's all I got to table talk. That, table that, talk. That's it? Yeah. That's the whole and you weren't story. talking about the, the thing you stand on? No. Yeah. That would have been more fun. I have a friend who was riding one of those and fell off and shattered her wrist. Yeah, that, that's why those things never took off because the technology was great, but there are too many lawsuit problems. <laughs> All right, table talk. Table talk. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network at dicetowernetwork.com. More fun than Merchant of Venus. Wait, what? Who writes these? This is the most unsure I've ever been about how a topic is going to go on our podcast. I'm just going to throw that out there at the beginning. <laughs> so This will be a funky adventure. We're going to be talking about board game buzz board and its effects buzz. on the industry. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> so let's start by answering the question, what is buzz? And I've, I've consulted the Urban <laughs> Dictionary to get the answer. I like it. The official resource for slang. Buzz is anything that creates excitement or stimulus. That seem like a good definition? No. No? no. Okay, let's hear your definition. Uh, well, I'm no urban dictionary, but <laughs> I think there are things that fall into that category of that definition that are not buzz. Mm. Like what? That's the problem. Well, some things we can't mention on the show. <laughs> no, because that, flawed... because that thing has a lot of buzz. Well, buzz, don't we, are we talking about buzz in terms of the word on the street? Yeah, it's like hype. 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 Yeah. Popularity, viral, things going viral, that sort of thing. Yeah. Stimulate, stimulation, or, you know, I don't know if that, that applies. Yeah, anything that creates excitement or stimulus. Yeah, there's things that create excitement and stimulus that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. So I think that, you know, some of the, the more important question is <laughs> what creates buzz? Okay. Not what is it, because what does create it? Like if I made a game. Hair clippers. <laughs> if, I, if I made a game and I, the first thing I want to do when the game is done after it's play tested, I want to create buzz, right? Yep. Before I release the game. So, how do I create it is really the question. How would you create it? Well, I would probably come to you and ask for your help. Okay. <laughs> because I, I can do things, but I cannot do this. I, I, you know, this is like a lot of social networking, uh, getting out there and creating just sort of a viral interest in whatever this game is. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't have a lot of Facebook friends. I don't have a lot of Twitter followers. 
Actually, I do have a decent amount of Twitter followers, but I don't have a lot of Facebook friends. Okay. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't know how to do it. You create a YouTube video, maybe? I think, I think I that's know. the route I would go. Is I'd go for the YouTube route. Yeah. Just, it's something that you can post out there and, you know, get something going quickly. But do you make it people. informative or do you make it entertaining? Both. I think you've got to cover both. If, if, if it's strictly informative, it's boring and people stop exactly. watching it. So you've got to have some entertainment value in there. And, you know, maybe you need to get some people in the industry that other people recognize part of it if you can get the support of the community. So when it comes to board games, there are some things I wrote down here that these are where I see some of the buzz being created for for board games in particular, which is kind of what we're we're talking about. So uh, one is on Board Game Geek, there's a list on the left side of the screen called The Hotness. And these are basically, it's basically just the games that are being clicked on the most at, at, at that period of time. So I don't know, I don't know what the, what period of time they're going with, but it's basically the most popular games by page views at that moment in time. Yeah. So you can go there and what happens is when you see that list, well, you're like, oh, what's, what's everyone so interested snowballs. in? Yeah, it snowballs. And so it, but it, how do you start it? So word of, I think word of mouth is a big one in, in our industry is just word of mouth. People telling other people that a game is fun and then it spreads. And some of it, I think, comes from reviewers too. Tim was saying, trying to get the support of the industry, the way you do that is you send them a free copy of your game. And then they they review it and hopefully they, you know, they give a good review of it. If Tom Vassell really likes the game, that instantly will generate a lot of buzz for that game. So how do I get him to review my game? How does that work? You just send him a copy of your game. But will he, he review it? Yeah, he will. Reviewers in general, if they don't review your game, then the companies will stop sending them games, which is kind of their one of their incentives to do reviews, right, is to get yeah. free games. I know that the Dice Tower tries to review every single game that they get. Tom, I mean, this is like his full-time job. Uh, but then there's other reviewers out there that I have heard that sometimes they get games and they don't review them basically because they don't like them. So they don't want to do a negative review of a game. They'd rather just not do a review. Right. And they also have to make it clear to these companies that just because you send us a game doesn't mean we're going to review it. But for the most part, I think in the industry, if you're sending a game to someone that's a reviewer, if they don't review it, then you just don't send them games anymore. And but you find the reviewers who will, who will review your games. But the point is that I think reviews do generate a lot of buzz for games. How do you think buzz could be measured? Well, you had a couple indicators right there. You could do Oregon Geek, where it has the the hotness. The hotness. That's yep. one way to measure it. You could measure, you know, if you're following like hashtags, you could do that. Sales, right? Which a lot, unfortunately, a lot of companies don't release that. Now there are independent resources that will release like sales to distributors, like the count or the amount mm-hmm. of money they made, or which ones like made the most. I don't think they'll say the actual count, but they'll say like Code Names, for example, was like the top selling game by this one distributor company. You know, so they'll like rank them, like, things like that. Mm-hmm. I actually found an inter- uh, an interesting thing on Board Game Geek. This guy creates something called the Buzz List. If you want to look for this thread, search on on Board Game Geek for it's anticipated releases dash subscription thread, and the user is Doug Faust. Uh, username P H R I M. Frim. So, anyways, I have to say all that because it's really hard to search board game geek. <laughs> anyways, he makes a list co- that he calls the buzz list, and he takes what he does is he analyzes all the wish lists. Like you can create wish lists on board game geek of games that you want to buy or whatever. And he he takes the games that appear on the most wish lists by people, and then he subtracts 
the owners. So it, it leaves you with, he subtracts people that are owners also, I think is what he does. Right. So it just leaves like people who are, who want this game that don't own it yet. And he kind of uses that as the, like the measurement of buzz. buzz. So the top three, in case you're interested right now on the buzz list from him are Seafall, Seafall, the legacy game that was released at Gen Con. Oh, yes. The one that's like a Navy right. theme or a Bodhi, uh, Ship theme, I should say. Boating. Boating theme. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like these guys going out on yachts or something. <laughs> it's like a pirate theme, I think, or something. First Martians, which is... First Martians, if you've heard of the game Robinson Crusoe, it's yes. they took that the mechanics of that game but put it in a Mars setting. So it's like you're, discover, you're landing on Mars and then you have all these hardships and everything you have to get through. Gotcha. And then the third one is Ennis, my favorite game I played wow. at Board Game Geekon. So, anyways, that's the buzz list. So, did you play that because of the buzz list? No, I played that because I knew it was like in the series of Cyclades and Kemet. Plus, Jason, it was like the first game he played when he got there, and he kept telling us how good it was. Hmm. And then we got, we finally were able to play it on the the last morning we were there. See, that's the biggest buzz is when people keep talking about it and telling you about it. That's that's the good buzz. But there's really no way to quantify that except checking out and seeing if there's posts about certain games and. You know, probably takes more research to figure out that buzz than it would be just to talk to people that are in the community. Right. At the conventions, there's this thing that Board Game Geek does, too, called Geek Buzz. I don't know if you've seen this, but when you're at a convention, they give you this little card, and then you can go to a kiosk and like just say, this is my favorite game I've played. Or you rate the you rate the games that you've played somehow, and then it like filters the ones that are getting the most hits to the top. And then at the convention, you can see like which are the hottest games of the convention based on this geek bus thing. Nice. Uh, what's funny about this is they did it at Board Game Geekon, and the number one game for a while at <laughs> Board Game Geek was the Rodney Dangerfield No Respect board game. <laughs> <laughs> so people were just like messing with the system. But I thought that was an interesting way of like in real time measuring the buzz of it just at a at a convention. So do you guys think buzz is important for game sales? What do you think? Well, yes and no. If the buzz is good but the game is not, then the sales are going to plummet. So the game actually has to be good. You can't just have buzz. But you know, conversely, a good game with no buzz isn't going to sell either. No, because nobody's going to know know that the game is there. Mm-hmm. So well, until there is a buzz. So when the game is good, maybe it'll generate buzz, and then it will sell. So I think, in a way, you need buzz. But again, the game has to be good. So you need both. Like I got the impression from listening to different things that buzz is like the most important thing for selling a game. More important than anything else when a game is released. Yeah, I, I mean, because well, there's got to be something out there for people to know about it, right? I mean, you know about the latest thing that... They want you to buy in the consumer market because you see commercials all over the place. But right. you're never going to see a commercial for these board games. So there, there has to be something getting people's attention to it, whether that's a Kickstarter campaign, which kind of gets some buzz going, or word of mouth and people start talking on Board Game Geek and then people see those threads. So I think that's the only way you're going to know some of these games exist. Yeah, but what happens like with that Harry Potter game that you played? There's a lot of buzz, but then the game is not good. People are saying that it's good, though. Okay. I'm talking about it for this example, the game not being good. Like, no one thinks it's good? In general, it's a flop. So the buzz is out there, but then it's just the game isn't good. So that's what's weird, though. Like, how would it? How would the buzz be generated if no one thought it was good? Because of the anticipation. The Maybe. Kickstarter. Okay, so Kickstarter, the Kickstarter anticipation. This, yeah, so this leads to kind of my next question, which is buzz prior to a game being released. 
So the anticipation type buzz. Is that an indication of a good game? Well, no. No. Right. No. The obvious answer close. is no. Well, what's right. a good example of a game that had buzz and then the game itself wasn't good? Or at least um, it didn't live up to it. So I have, I actually have one. I had a couple of, so one would be Mega Man, the board game. So there was a lot of buzz. There was a lot of bu- buzz because it was Mega Man and people were hoping it was good. And there was a Kickstarter and like the Kickstarter. Who's Mega Man? Am I missing something there? Is that He's like a, a superhero? It's like a cartoon. Okay. You don't know either? You look at me. I have no clue. I have no idea. <laughs> Mega Man. <laughs> Sounds impressive. Sounds impressive. Never heard of him. Yeah. Though. Must be a real big guy. Anyways, it. Flopped when it was released, but it had a lot of buzz when it came out. Actually, Exploding Kittens would be a good example. Uh, that was like the like the one of the top Kickstarters. Does everybody hate it though? Probably not. Well, that's that's a problem. Like half the people, but even well, half I mean, the you're, people, you're never that, gonna get a unanimous. Everybody hates the game. I mean, that's you know everybody has different tastes and stuff. So as bad as the game is, there's still gonna be some people that actually like it. Well, that's an interesting point. If that's true, then the statement of buzz being the most important thing is true. Then. If the game doesn't have to be good, yeah, then all that matters is buzz. Yeah, I mean that's how you're going to get your sales, right? People need to know and want to get it. And uh, isn't get there? It. Aren't there times where there is unanimous disapproval, or does that never happen? Uh, there is. I mean, people like Robo is. Rally, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, there's people are not always going to agree on games, but. Don't they sometimes agree? Aren't there some games where the community comes together and says no? I think you'll get the majority of the community, but you're never going to get every single person to say that game sucks. Well, I've even heard that negative buzz for a game is still better than no buzz. So true. Because it gets people looking at your game. So here's an example. Let's say Tom Vassell, just keep using him as as the example. Let's say he reviewed a game and he didn't like it. Well, first of all, Whenever he gives a negative review, instantly people want to go out and watch the review because it's entertaining. But there might be the things that he doesn't like about the game, you I might like. agree with, right? Correct. Yeah, it's like because we just have different tastes in games. So just any kind of buzz to get people looking at the game, it sounds to me like, from what I've been hearing, is better than nothing. Yeah, I, agree. I would agree. I would totally agree because with nothing, nobody's going to look at anything. You're just, you disappear. You with want people looking. Negative buzz, people will go. And like you said, everybody's so diverse in what they like that what tom hates you may love right and so even even other kind of negative buzz like if there was like camel up let's say that somebody thought there was a racist element to that game <laughs> okay and then so it created negative buzz because this game is anti you know like middle east or something and then people watch the the video and they watch people they're like i don't i don't mind that i mean that game seems fun you know let's just say that the game mechanic was really brilliant just because there may be something negative about it it's okay if people are watching it because that's what you want. You want the traffic, right? I'm curious if either of you have had personal experience with this. And it doesn't have to be board games, but where you've had huge anticipation for something. And then what was your personal experience when you got whatever that thing was? Was the payoff there or did it let you down? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Not sure which question you just answered. I'm not sure either. (laughs) Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire. The band. Okay. Their album is a band? Yes, Arcade Fire, the band. Our listeners know who Arcade Fire is. Oh, I'm sure they do. Oh, I'm sure. Of course. Who doesn't know Arcade Fire? Their album was so disappointing when it came out. Not just when the album came out, but you you hear a song, you're like, oh my God, this song is amazing. I'm going to download the whole album. So you download the whole album because one one song is great, and then the whole album's horrible. (laughs) I don't know if that qualifies as your example. Buzz being high. Yeah, no, it qualifies. They're playing this song on SiriusXM. People are talking about it, and you go and get it, and then it's just sort of disappointing. So did they make a board game about this song? 
No, he, Ryan said. So it doesn't really qualify. Games. It's not a board game. I said it doesn't have to be a board game. Oh, okay. I mean, you've been, dis- <laughs> haven't, you've been disappointed by. Yeah, I watched the show Supergirl because I thought the commercials looked interesting. And I was like, okay, female empowerment. You know, she's got superpowers and stuff. So I watched it. It's a, it's a horrible show. Oh, geez. It got canceled. I think the point is high expectations and then a little bit of a letdown. How about the opposite? Where you don't have much of an expectation and then you... No, where you had expectations and it paid off. Your expectations were met. Scythe. Scythe? Mm-hmm. Never heard of that game. Got to go to school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uncover the scandal. <laughs> and oh, yeah. The, this is ringing a bell. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, this is a game that had a lot of buzz, right? Yep. And fortunately for us, the game that Ryan bought that we got to play was like the... You had like all the... Extras oh yeah, it's like the collectors, the collectors edition, and the game was really it really lived up to it. Yeah. I mean, you could see there were new flavors to their mechanic. You know, the pieces were interesting. The board was very elegant. People would walk by and stop just to see what this game was. Yeah, that game lived up to it. Yeah, I actually had that as mine too, and I think Scythe was one, and Dead of Winter I, I would say is another one. Yeah that I think lived up to the buzz, for, at least for our group. There was a time where we felt like we needed to buy like a second copy of it. Yeah, yeah we had a yeah. queue going for people that wanted yeah, to play it. we had it. a waiting list of people <laughs> wanting to play that. Yeah, for me, uh, the X-Wing hit the mark. Yeah? Uh, you know, Star Wars, I love Star Wars. Yeah, well, that's true. Anyone who's first in the three, Wars. actually, but not the other three. But um, yeah, that I, I don't know. Well, I've, I enjoyed well, the other one. Good. It, was a, it was a little too much like the other ones, but I, it was still mm. good. Still liked it. Still liked it. We'll see about the next one. Have you heard of Star Wars Rebellion? The, yes. I, are you going to get that? I don't know because I haven't even played Imperial Assault yet. I'm, I'm so annoyed that I can't get four people together to play Imperial Assault. It's just... it's Maybe we can do that when we finish Pandemic Legacy. Mind-numbing. We'll need, yeah, we need some players. Um, Jim actually might come out for that. Whoa. Okay. He would actually come over and do that. Well, Rebellion is more of a one-time play board game. Right. heard it's really good. I've got X-Wing, and I've got a bunch of uh, Imperial Assault minis that I have not even played yet, so I'm kind of like not going beyond that until then. I think we agree that buzz before a game is released isn't an indicator of a good game. How about buzz exactly. after a game is released? Most definitely. If people are talking about a game after it's come out and it's been played, and they're still talking about it, Right. Then this, good, is, this is this is an indicator. Sign. You got to go check this game out for yourself. Plus, you can just buy it. You don't have to wait. There's Very a big true. difference yeah. between when a game's out versus when you're anticipating because you might forget about it by the time it comes out, or something better comes along, or your budget takes a hit. If the game is out and there's buzz, you can go buy it. It's true. It's way better. You know what? I just have an interesting example of where buzz would have helped something take off more quickly than it did, and it's when TiVo came out. Remember when TiVo came yes. out? Oh, the best ever. Yeah, but it had horrible buzz. That's it, a great There was like example. no buzz. Yeah, Nobody really understood You really it. just had to like take right. a leap of faith and buy this thing and hope that, <laughs> that it was the good. The only thing, here's, here's what you got with TiVo. Your friend or somebody was like, dude, you've got to get this. <laughs> that thing. was Chris uh, to me. <laughs> but, you know, and then, but, but that's what would happen. Right. Yeah. Is they couldn't tell you why you needed it. Right. Yeah. You just needed it. Yep. Because there was no buzz to yes, back it up. It's very true. I so sorely miss my TiVo. Yeah. Well, but I mean, DVR, the, the DVR. It's not as good. Yeah, but the TiVo is still not the best. Good. TiVo but, is superior to any of the DVRs that any of these other cable companies right. have put out. Granted. But having the, having the DVR, the right. DVR is hard to sell that concept right. at first. It's true. There was it's no true. buzz. People didn't get it's it. true. 
I still though their their operating system, whatever they do, it is far superior. It's super expensive. So, anyways, I thought that was interesting. So yeah, I agree. After the game is released, I think the buzz then is way more reliable than before, more. <laughs> before yeah. the game is yeah. released. Because then you've got people reviewing the game and playing it, not just watching videos about it. Yeah. Or playing like pre-production copies of it. They're playing the real thing and telling you whether or not it's good. And then when they keep talking about it, like if it keeps going on and on and on, and three months after the release, people are still talking about it, Yeah. then how could, how could it not be a good game? Do you guys think there's such a thing as a long-term buzz? There's such a thing, but I think it's rare. You know, if you have a game would have to stand the test of time and not be obsoleted by expansions or other games that do something better. That's rare. I yeah. mean, uh, I think it's hard to achieve in this industry hard. because of the amount of games that keep coming out. Yeah. That it's got to keep surpassing all the things that keep coming out in order for people to keep playing it and not jump onto something new. Yeah, but so, it is possible. It's I think, possible. I think Magic would qualify as that because that game's still going strong true. after. Yeah, and they're able to generate buzz like every three months. Yeah. Whenever they release a new set, it's like the whole cycle starts over. That's yeah. true. So it's possible. You need people to know about it, and then you need quality. It's got to be good. Yeah. They continue to, to bring it every time. When I first got into the, the hobby, I went back and was listening to, from the beginning of when the Dice Tower started, I went through and listened to like every episode up until the current ones. And from that, I got like, okay, a year later, they're still putting these same games on their top 10 lists for different categories or whatever. Okay, they keep talking about this year after year after year. This must be a good game. And that was kind of how I picked which old games to go back and look into and buy. And I've, you know, I've got some games in my collection that are dated well before I got into the hobby when they were released or whatever. But I found out about them because of what I, what I guess I would call this long-term buzz. In this industry, it's like three months later and people already forget about a game. The games that came out at Gen Con, like no one is talking about them right. anymore that I, that I can think of with maybe one exception of, well, Scythe is one exception, I think. But a lot of the games that were like really hot then just aren't really... It's it's just weird how quickly the, the the buzz fades away. Yeah. Anything else you guys would add about buzz? How, how does it impact you personally? Do you even get into the board no. buzz? I for mean, board for games? me, honestly, you're more tapped into that. Yeah. And you do such a good job knowing what games we will like that you're good at distilling that list down to the games we want to play. And I, I trust your opinion. So I think if you have like the one alpha gamer in your group that is tapped in, they can sort of drive that. Yeah, because not everybody knows what the buzz is. And I appreciate that sometimes there's a game that's a flop, and you guys don't give me a lot of garbage for that. <laughs> yeah, I know that's a big deal to you. You want to, you know, you want to. You're like the provider, and your reward is seeing us having fun. And sometimes a game doesn't work. Yeah, but that's not your fault. Yeah, you know, you're not gonna. Be, it's you didn't make the game, and you don't know always how it's gonna work out. So you do the best that you can, and you know, as long as you're doing it 51 percent of the time that you're hitting, then you're good. Sure. Right. So there's going to be some failures in there. Yeah. Like dead last. That was a game that had some pretty good buzz. Yeah. And man, did that flop. <laughs> oh, that was dead last for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened. The problem is there. I think I was always dead first. Yeah. Yeah. It, it brought out like all the things that made us stop playing those werewolf in our group. Yes. I think <laughs> just brought it all back into the light. Pretty much. Yeah. And it was just awkward. Didn't it feel it was, awkward? It felt awkward is the perfect word for that game. Yeah, it was like you, it was like forced interaction. I don't know. It was forced negative interaction. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You know, who are we going to kill? I mean, how much more negative can you get than that? And yeah. while the person you want to kill is listening to you. Right. 
Let's talk about a game that like creates problems among Actually, people. I was thinking that game would be better if instead of sitting at the table, you just had 10 minutes and you could just walk like to corners of the room. Well, you would win every game. And you right? could yeah. you could like coordinate it. We would just give you the win. <laughs> the problem is that would just prolong the game way too much. Don't you think yeah. that would be more fun though? It would be more fun. Be, it, it would be more know, like Survivor. Yeah, why, would be like just, why wouldn't you just play Diplomacy then? Well, this would be way shorter. No, diplomacy ten, ten games are ridiculous. I don't know. There, you could tell the makers of this game are—they were fans of Survivor. You can tell. Yeah, it's all about your voting people out, and you yeah, need to you get know, consensus. If it's because I ate all the rice, I get it. But it's not. It's just because oh, you know. It's not always about who eats the rice on that show, though. That Sometimes it's about eliminating a threat, or about eliminating somebody who's popular or annoying. Or somebody who is going to create their own, you know, little Click. groups, yeah, of, of voting blocks. And so there, I could see the appeal of making a game like that. But if you're I right. could win a million dollars playing that, then I might be back in. <laughs> Not going to win a million dollars. <laughs> right, I'm out. I'm kind of tempted to hold on to this game and try this experiment out. Instead of sitting at a table, you like split off. Maybe not for ten minutes, but maybe just for five minutes. And you can split off into little groups and make plans and then come back and sit down and vote. Okay, l- let me know. I'll make sure Dave brings a lot of drinks along with that night and I'll, I'll partake. <laughs> okay. Might make it more enjoyable. You have to flush out your plan first. Make sure it's well constructed. Because yeah. I, I, would, I would try it if, if, if you thought you were onto something. You know, we could dim the lights and put a lot of candles out too. It'd be like murder. And yeah. No, you snuff out the, the torch. Oh. You know, the group has spoken. You know? <laughs> I kind of like this idea. It's like live action Dead Last, also known as Survivor. We'll have to to film it then. See, this could be a reality show, Dead Last. This could be like a, if we ever did a Kickstarter, this could be like a stretch goal. We'll do a live action Dead Last recording, video recording. Let us know in the comments if you would be interested in that. (laughs) So we're talking about Dead Last, and that's the last thing we're going to talk about. (laughs) Amen. It's a good way to wrap it up. Yep. Buzz. It was interesting, you know, the creating uh, how to create buzz and all that. Yeah, if so. you guys have any ideas on how we can create some buzz for this podcast, <laughs> let us know because we clearly do not know how to do that. <laughs> you know how to do that. You know how to. Do you're, that. you're selling yourself short. I yeah, I don't if think you're, you're got out much there buzz going on. Representing at BGG Con, and you're out there talking to the people, talking to the peeps. I don't know. I don't know about how to create the buzz. I wish there were reviewers that reviewed podcasts, and we could send them a free episode. And they could review us. They're, they're all free. I know. But we'll just <laughs> pretend like it's a perk. <laughs> and on that note, th- this wraps up episode what number? 28. Episode 28 of Out of Game. If you'd like to come to our website, and I know you want to, especially if you've seen it before, you'll be just naturally drawn back to the glamorous site of outofgamepodcast.com. Or you could go to our BGG Guild 1990 by going to our website and clicking the little guy that looks like he's running, like the little Fallout guy. He just looks like he's running. Yeah, sideways. Fallout guy. Yeah, he looks kind of like I the Fallout guy. I you didn't guy. play Fallout. I don't, but I know what the guy looks like. Okay. The board game geek guy kind of looks like a skinny yeah. Fallout guy. A little bit. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Stitcher at OOG Podcast. Or you can email us at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 40 OOG OOG 80. That's 406-646-6480. There are no odd numbers in there. (laughs) On purpose. (laughs) You can also find great deals on board games at CoolStuffInc.com. And for more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, go to Dicetowernetwork.com. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.
So my answer is Peter Obergozo. You guys know who that is, right? Um, I do not. No. Is so that Pe- uh, Greg's younger brother? <laughs> so Peter Obergozo. <laughs> so who's Greg Obergozo? <laughs> this is... <laughs> Peter Obergozo is a friend of mine from California. <laughs> By the way, is $18 a good deal for the Millennium Falcon? Uh, it's about normal, yeah. It's okay. about normal. Luke paid a pretty, lot more than that just good. to ride on it. <laughs> yeah, he paid 17 just to ride on it, but he could almost bought a whole ship for that. Yeah, so to sell his It was speeder. maybe 18 so maybe 18 is the price because he could almost buy a whole ship for that. 